Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Call Up Pre-Race Show with Gabe Lloyd and myself, Daniel Holloway. There it is. Good morning. How are we doing? Where are you? Where are you today? St. Louis. Adderall. Dude, they set it up nice here. I'm going to like, um, what is this? The Union Station Hotel. Wow. It's like a converted train station into like this crazy, crazy cool hotel setup. So Wow. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I'm stoked. Do they have free, they have free breakfast? They do. Bike race or heaven. Yeah. Right there. So don't keep me on too long. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get to it. Need to get to my free breakfast. Um, amazing, amazing. Uh, I last night was the opening of Fifth Street Cross for me, which is my Thursday night cyclocross series. Man, it was off the hook. Largest turnout ever. Pretty pumped. Um, bunch make, of runners for the cross country. What's up? Cross making a comeback. Cross is back cross is back Ooh. i run it really open style super fun like i got kids with crazy bike setups on this thing like it's arrow bars it's uh like i don't know man i'll have to send you the, in? yeah no not like that they're not nerds <laughs> like that jeez <laughs> anybody shows up like that i'm kicking them right out <laughs> i have the right to refuse service <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, it's just a great community. We do like hot dog hand ups and cupcake hand ups and gummy worm hand ups and uh, Nutrail Beer is one of our sponsors and they come out and like it's pretty amazing. Food truck rocked up from Philly. <laughs> We're like, all right, let's do it. Um, you got to have like um, a section with like uh, the large scale Connect Four. It's Ooh, like you got to pick yeah. up a color and then drop it in. Yeah. And see if you can Connect Four. Yeah. And you yeah. get prize. Yeah, they have that at the local brewery, actually. Yeah, yeah. move it to the, the cross course and try to play while yeah. racing. We could do that. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I thought you'd really appreciate this. We, uh, I have an AB line this Ooh. year. Uh, yeah. Um, after last week's podcast, we were talking a lot about multiple line options, and uh, so this year, uh, the borough where they we are allowed to host this event. This event's like twelve weeks long, so I get to set the course and then leave the course. Um, I made I made a line through a mulch pile, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can either climb up over a mulch pile, what's well, sort of this on, off camera long sort of run, or you can do the barriers. And I was like, everybody's going to do the barriers. It's so much faster. <laughs> surprise, surprise! It was a straight up like fifty fifty split, and I was like, well, this has worked out well. Um, so that was really fun. But I definitely thought you'd appreciate the. Uh, Did the timing work? Line. Like, was it like equal time? It turned out to be, which oh. I was very surprised about. That's chill. Yeah. But if you do so, one like correctly, it would be faster than the other one. Correct. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So it may just be a reflection of sort of the the skill sets that come. So like I feel like if you have like a Curtis White come, yep. he's going to be a lot faster over the barriers. But for like, you know, our chill crowd, it's actually pretty equal. If you can stay on the bike and ride that off camber over the mulch on the side of the mulch pile, it ends up being as fast as the skill set of dismounting and remounting. So oh, nice. I like it. Yeah. What's up, Pucks? Yeah, sorry about that. Morning time in the household. It's a late night for everybody. Oh <laughs> uh, man. Uh 
Wow. So that was that. And now you're in Gateway Cup. But before we get there, um, we had a lot of people listen to the last episode about Momentum Indie. Yep. We One received a lot. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> people are listening. That's awesome. Thank you all for tuning in. Remember to like, subscribe, and share it, maybe. Share, um, share, share. Please share. Please share. We really appreciate all the all the points of feedback. I think that we had some specific messages that we wanted to to touch on, though, uh, just to round out the perspective on what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna get there. And staying true to the what? pod, like not just saying names, but the general consensus of it was one point was like, I mean, the overarching thing, right, is the enforcement of rules. You know, we have rules and they need to be enforced and they need to be enforced consistently across across the board, start to finish of the year, start to finish of a race, um, across the teams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that was kind of the one of the larger o- overarching feedback, you know, that I got, you got, we got via the social channels. And yeah, I mean, one one was just like, Pointed out the rule that, you know, um, you can't go onto curbs, sidewalks, medians, etc., outside the race course. That's mm-hmm. that's the rule. But at Indy, this said feature was inside the barriers. You know, again, that was the race course. You know, um, and so it's you know reading the written rule and then interpretation from where where you sit on how you like to race your bike or what you think race courses should be designed like. And right. that's where like the governing body has to step in and, you know, tell you what that rule is today, you know, because like, you know, formula one, for instance, right. Every track has its track limits or it doesn't each weekend. The FIA says, these are the track limits this weekend. And you could go to the same track and the track limits could be different for whatever reason, but they tell you it's the white line, it's the green line, it's, you know, the red line in each particular corner. Right. And so mm-hmm. same thing could be done, you know, here or needed to be done saying, Hey, you know, that curb is off limits. You have to go to the, you know, pointy end of the cone. There was a specific rule that was sent to us. Uh, article three B is in boy 10. Use of sidewalks, paths, or cycle paths strictly prohibited to use sidewalks, paths, cycle paths that do not form part of the course. I think the crux of that is that do not form part of the course. And what we're saying here is that it did form part of the course. Yeah. And that's very much so, like a UCI Euro rule, right? I mean, the, the USA Cycling is just adopted and placed into their rule set, mm-hmm. as is like a majority of them. Um, but it's, it's really the governance's job to establish the rules by which we're going to compete under for the day right and and that flexibility is sort of instilled in the officials and their ability to sort of help the athletes understand okay where where's that line now the contrast to that is the athletes are always pushing the line of what that rule is interpreted as across the board, like not just cycling, but like any sport, right? Yeah, and that goes back to like in the next, you know, feedback of the 
you know, in some aspects, they want us to govern ourselves. And there is like a line in which like you do that as a professional athlete is like, Hey, you kind of take care of one another. You're all trying to get to the end of the race whole in one piece and you know, do it as competitively as possible. But then there's like that line where it's like becomes comp it is competition and you are trying to look for every avenue in which to gain an advantage. And, you know, NASCAR, it's like, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> you know, and by no means, like, was, you know, anybody cheating. But it's just, athletes are, you know, in professional organizations are looking for a way to get a legal advantage. And then you need a separate, non-biased review of set actions to enforce rule sets and identify if and when rules yep. are being broken and place you know penalties or fines or whatever you have uh, to go along with that. So to like completely put the onus on athletes to follow every rule all the time and try to like it's just never going to work if like I'm racing and I call see a guy do something illegal and call him out. He's going to give me the middle finger mid-race, but like, not my problem. <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't have the yellow card. I don't have anything other than like, hey, Bonehead, you're doing it. And he's like, well, and I'm going to keep doing it until they tell me to stop. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, there's one point of feedback we got where actions are prohibited by the rules, but the officials look away until they believe it affects the outcome of the race. And that's always a weird sticking point, I think, where... So we, we've been talking about Momentum Indy, but I think uh, there's a very well-known, well, in my world, those are very well-known example, where Demi Vollering at the Tour de Femmes this year, she like flatted out and she got herself motor paced basically back into the field, but then like all like really far into the field, create causes big stir. And they were saying, well, other people were doing it all week, but the fact that I'm doing it is the reason that you're coming down hard on me. And I think that like that, that, shift in enforcement has become the real crux of of where what we focused on last week um yeah. and i mean just we've seen it like in the euro peloton sticky bottles motor pacing you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's you know a different officials on different days and what and how egregiously are people using or abusing you know those those things right um, and so that's, I mean, even the Euro Peloton, like Jay, uh, he's, you know, not a very popular rider in the pro Peloton, but like Moscon from a few years at Worlds, mm -hmm. you know, got towed back up and, you know, in the moment didn't seem that was, had any impact on the race or what the final in impact, but they DQ'd him before he could have an impact. And maybe that's the point, you know, um, but you don't it doesn't, know either way. But, there but was, it's not a universal enforcement, though. That's yeah. the whole issue. And that right? was, like, the largest frustration from the Italian team was just, like, what? Where did the, like, <laughs> why now? Why today? What, how is this any different? And at the end of the day, they probably didn't get an explanation or a detailed summary right. of, like, oh, we determined that it was, like, you know, 5K longer than average at, you know, 5K an hour faster than normal or you know, whatever kind of metrics you could use to be like, well, this was egregious comparatively right. to like what status quo the norm is. And 
another point that was raised in the podcast, and I think that also came back in our notes from our messages across the board, was that the method of protest, you went into that quite a lot oh, in yeah. the last podcast. It and the method zero. of protest, I think, is really important for us to think about like how, to, how that could be improved upon uh, at our races. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, and who's right? It's got to be top down, right? Like as a race promoter, you shouldn't be going to the official saying, "Hey, I've, I've created a white tent over here, away from everybody." That if a protest to happen, like you go there immediately, you know, they're gonna be like, "Who are you to tell me what to do when a protest happens?" It's like, you know, it's a, it's not a healthy relationship, you know, about that. Even though you're all you're trying to do is help, right? Provide them a safe space to do their job and operate. Um, but yeah, just that was a. A clear one that was again brought up post uh, race and post pod that like yeah the the formal process wasn't taken um, and in some fashions wasn't allowed to be taken you know there was just so much pressure um, and not space given didn't let due diligence and it creates a layer of professionalism especially at these national level races I mean this is an American Crit Cup event and. Uh, you know, I feel like at that level of an event, there should be a process by which the events can sort of establish some opportunities for the officials to not have be rushed, so to speak. Um, but I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily momentum Indies responsibility as much as it's like. USA Cycling's responsibility or some, I don't really know who the responsibility lies upon, but I do agree that there ought to be this sort of this neutral zone and a, a better established process by which we can pay the 300 bucks to fill out the form, cite article 3B10, right? And, you know, see if 3B10 gets enforced to in the method by which you've seek, sought it to be enforced or not, right? Like that's, totally. so... Well, lot to think about. I think that if you missed the episode, definitely go back and listen to it. Um, it's there's a lot of really amazing things in there that Daniel was able to expand upon, and uh, we just sort of skimmed it here. So uh, there's that. And again, thank you to everybody who sent us the messages. We really appreciate it. We feel like you know it's sort of it's nice to know that you guys are paying attention, but it's also nice to hear that I think a lot of us are on the same page, right? And I think there are we're sort of approaching it from different angles but it's nice to be able to uh know that we are sort of talking the same language here so thank you all very much for listening and making that happen uh let's get into it though my goodness transitioning our location from indianapolis into st louis missouri first question have you seen nelly Love Nelly. We were going to like football practice, just listen to his albums, country grammar. Just my mom just shaking her head as she's driving me to and from practice. He's an OG, and I got like the um, Nelly Budweiser can collaborations. Have you seen those? No. Yeah, Um, they're pretty cool. Like Budweiser did like a Tall Boys, um, with whatever you know, year anniversary, yada yada yada. But they're cool. well, that sounds amazing. You can post a picture on your socials for us when you get back home, where yeah. I'm sure it's in a, a case on your shelf. No, I think it's in a Tupperware box in our in our garage because we 
you know, redid like a wet bar sink area. That's where it was at. I'm sorry. Yeah. I got put in the bin. <laughs> um, so you are going to be doing a project this week, uh, actually on Sunday specifically, right? September 3rd yeah. at Giro de Montaigne. Uh, the video project, if in case you haven't heard about this, Daniel's going to, going to be racing live with a video camera on his helmet and a mic system on his jersey, so to speak, in the race. He's going to be racing Giro de Montaigne uh, with this system, and it's going to be streamed live on the gatewaycup.com slash races slash live stream. We'll put that into the show notes and that's going to be hosted by the American Crit Cup YouTube channel. Uh, man, I am super excited to listen to you breathe very hard for an hour. <laughs> what is good? Are you excited about this project? Um, you know, like what, you know, how did you even come about doing this project? Why are we doing this? Yeah, I don't know. It's like after Tulsa kind of got a wild hair and it just felt there's like so much insight, right? Like we definitely, even last year doing live stream commentary, right? A lot of tactical in-depth stuff, you know, and then this year, you know, we kind of started this whole rigmarole and it was just like kind of what is the next layer that hasn't been done, like different insight. Um, And I mean, originally it was supposed to be night one of gateway because that's like flat and easy and wide open i was like i could definitely i could definitely train myself into fitness for that one and then things changed and it was like oh no let's do the acc day i think that like it's just better for everybody except for me which (laughs) uh which is which is fine so i've had eight weeks um to race into race fitness from pretty much off the couch how many years were you on that couch? Two, two plus, two plus Oof. years. Yeah, Oof. with basically nothing. <laughs> I abandoned all things uh, endurance sports. You you had dropped some numbers, and I think we have a lot of very educated people that listen to this podcast. Do you remember your FTP et cetera numbers for this one? Where are you at right now? Like I haven't, I didn't do like the official 20 minute test. I had no interest in suffering. <laughs> I, get, I agree to, to get that yeah. number. So there's <laughs> like, um, everything chucked back at me is from just like some, you know, stupid hard group rides in such in Boulder. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Uh, but it's like 280 ish probably is like what I would guess okay. it if I like decide to hunker down and like, you know, go to left hand Canyon and just suffer. Um, it would probably be around that, the 280 number. And I'm, what did it well what did it used to be just to help us anchor the the delta between then and now 360 ish <laughs> <laughs> probably yeah i would guess um yeah so with the, with that delta how do you get through the race what's your general approach which could actually be very valuable for a lot of our listeners actually just as they're learning how to bike race and get themselves to the finish line more efficiently. Uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So in the, that sense of just, like, we need to make that t-shirt. We need to make that t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, just like every move is calculated. Like every move has to be like pretty thoughtful. I can't just, you know, every acceleration, right. It has to be like, I have to really think about it and really decide if I want to do it. <laughs> Cause it's like, I don't have the backs, you know, the bulk box of matches. 
like I once did, right? Like I'm definitely operating in a matchbook. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I just have to be very mindful of all of all of all that, right? And then, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a big, like two years off, like not driving a bike, you know, at race speeds. It's going to be, I got to get stuck in pretty fast and get back into the rhythm, um, which I think is definitely going to like be a thing. You know, the first eight, 10 laps is going to be, I'm nervous for to just get stuck back in at race pace. You know, on a bike, yeah. I really haven't raced or done this on, you know? So just like they have different feel. Cause um, you're on a different bike than your rate last time you raced a bike, right? Yeah. Specialized was kind enough to send me an SL seven, um, you know, dialed in. So, but I've never raced one again, you know, it's like, and it's got disc brakes. I, I never raced on disc brakes. Like truly, <laughs> you know, like my, it was my last race bike was the felt AR rim brake bike, which was a rocket. Wow. Ship, and I absolutely love that bike. Um, and it could like, you know, it was always funny because that rear brake was more like maybe a modulator at best, you know, and it was all front brake. <laughs> but that comes with like a driving style, right? Like a racing, yeah. you know, on how to use, use that system. And, you know, I perfected that. Whereas this one has two really well working working brakes <laughs> and so um it's getting checked into all of that you know and very much when i was in tune to racing is that i never like touched the brakes simply for the fact that by the time i touched them it was too late mm -hmm. right and 90 percent of the time i didn't actually need to touch the brakes and i i over like i just built that mental pathway in you know and just you know, new guys were going to hit brakes, but it was only going to last like microseconds, not like full seconds. And, okay. and learn to read the difference of like, you know, when it's a long period of time, air quote, like multiple seconds of braking that I need to like participate in that. Or it was just like this one instance of somebody grabbing brakes. Um, and it was definitely like started to become a mixed Peloton, but now it's just like when guys grab disc brakes, they stop. Right, so, yeah. So that wave travels faster and further through the peloton when everybody does that, which is and a different also, topic for a different day to to discuss. Yeah. To discuss. Mm -hmm. So I just have to uh, like, personally try to modulate that super super well. Well, I, I think we'll wait for the post race recap to get sort of a breakdown on that equipment stuff because I'm also curious about like tubeless tires. Like, have you raced on tubeless tires before? Mm. Like race race. Uh, no, we weren't doing tubeless in my era. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I was, like, exact people were, I wasn't. Right, because you were tubulars. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Old dog. So, yeah, exactly. But like, I'm, it's... I'm also not doing tubeless here. I have tubes in my tires. <laughs> oh, you're going clincher. <laughs> Woo, boy, oh boy. Well, that'll be very interesting to break down. Well, you can uh, tune in with Daniel uh, at. 5.30 p.m. Five what? 5.40 Central. Oh, okay. So 5.40 Central Time on Sunday, September 3rd for the uh, Giro della Montagna at gatewaycup.com slash races slash live stream. We will put that into the show notes, and that is going to be hosted on the American Crit Cup YouTube channel. So uh, definitely tune in. I'm very excited for this. So you'll have at least one viewer of this. <laughs> you and my mom be in the comments together. 
Oh man, <laughs> can't wait. Cannot wait. Yeah. We may see. I might try to do I might you know, not over promise anything, but there is I'm looking into um doing some sort of Bluetooth contraption and get questions from the YouTube comments to me. You have a laptop on your handlebars? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it's just like, you know, you can get text messages now and head units, whatever uh-huh. else. But I could be like, um, potentially on like a two-way app with a Bluetooth and then somebody <laughs> from the stage can be like Bluetooth, you know, comments in my ear, like radio just style. Go, just go like full Discord channel. Like this will be full on video game <laughs> style. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, we'll see if I can find like a, again, like this is trying to make a lot of this easy is like plug and play for myself and those helping, but yeah, it'd be kind of fun if like you hit the YouTube comments and it was just like, you know, asked a question and then I answer it, you know, live. So, um, the technology is working. We did a test run. You saw the video audio is really good. Great. Um, hopefully the big fix between that test and, years that i'll be on the same cell towers and so we'll get less drop off is when i was just like out in boulder out in the country um you know bouncing bouncing cell towers so well we'll yeah i'm excited you're doing it man i think it's gonna be really cool it's never been done before what we call this the uh next level of color commentary uh, color commentary next level next level color commentary it's gonna be amazing Yeah. All right. Let's uh, now into cool. the real race. Into the into the real race. race. <laughs> yeah. So our real pre-show here for the Giro della Montagna. This is going to be the final stop of the American Kurt Cup. Stop number ten. It's been a full season. We've got some tired legs in the field, which will hopefully benefit you. Um, but we're going to start off with our women's field. Actually, no. We're going to start off with the course. What is this course, and why has it been so challenging for so many people? Yeah, I've never won here. I think my best is a second, a few thirds, and a few more top tens. And, yeah, it's just like a... I mean, it looks like a rectangle to me. It looks pretty straightforward. So there has to be an elevation shift here that makes this one a real bell ringer right yep so going out of corner two to corner three it's like out of two it's kind of like a false flat and then as you get towards like bischoff it starts to to ramp up okay up to corner three and then the other part of that equation is like three is like very very much a pinch point that um between three and four is like relatively narrow um and because it the hill kind of like does this ramp. There's a, a big swell that kind of happens and guys like shove it underneath and there's a lot of braking that that goes on. And so, and because that road's so short, 20 guys get through that corner and then all of a sudden they're kind of like starting to go downhill and fast. And then if you're 60th wheel, like you're at the top of the hill and guys are already doing 40K in front of you. So it's like a big acceleration. And then it's downhill you know, all the way to, um, not quite to corner one, right? It does have like the fall off and then goes to like false flat down. But if you're in the back, like you're chasing that, that whole time. And then corner one is not 
wide open. It's just like a very, you have to be calculated, you have to pay attention, you know, and scrub like a little bit of speed. But also, depending on the wind, it could be another, if it's a headwind, it swells again. It makes like this another stupid pinch point where you have to get oh. on your brakes and accelerate. So that's, that's okay. just what makes this course like hard and add up over 70 minutes. So again, so out of four down to the finish line, it's downhill. Yeah, yeah, it's downhill sprint. So when does the sprint start? Um, for the yeah, like into the base of the hill. One to go, like corner four. You know, going into the bell is like when you when basically stuff is start going. Uh, yeah, full gas, and it doesn't How? come off. And you need to have the team that can get you all the way to the like the base of the hill and not get swarmed. So I'm I'm also I'm just on the Gateway Cup website here looking. How how long is the lap? Like, do we remember that part? It's sh it's short. It, okay. it comes the hill comes too fast, even when you're fit. <laughs> okay. Um. So these are like just like hit the hill de pedaling downhill if you're midfield back and then you're pedaling uphill immediately yep so attrition is going to be huge in this race right yeah taking care of yourself and just again mastering that float technique and sag climbing you know to to a point and it just every lap is different there's some laps where like you know for me for sure it's going to like sag the kick and then get back on the pedals like out of three into four or sometimes you can ride it where you like stay on the gas through three and then float the f the flat bit between three and four and recover Ooh. and then accelerate the downhill um or some of it is like you know, if you really need it is like kind of do the whole thing from like you know if you're looking at the map on the the website uh, where it says the hill, the little blue dot, you like there all the way to like corner four. And some of that is like pre-planning, like three laps ahead. You're like, oh, like I need to be like top five going to that marker and then lose 60 spots all the way to corner four because you just need that much time off. Wow. Uh, ideally, I don't get to that point because if, if I've taken that much water and I need that much rest... I'll be hanging on for dear life. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I feel like I've never done this race. Um, but do you remember after Presby in Charlotte, we had that day in the neighborhood? Oh, Belmont. Yeah, where you like... With the railway climb. at the bottom? Was that what it was? I don't know. I just remember being in the neighborhood <laughs> and we're riding around a park and it was just like a billion watts to get to the top where the finish line was and then you turn left and then left again and then it's just downhill to this this turn where if you had a gap in front of you you could just cruise it but it seemed like wherever i was in the peloton dudes are dive bombing the inside out of desperation and so i'd have to like adjust speed at the bottom of the hill and then i'd have to you know use watts again to get back up i mean was it left turns the race I'm talking about was left turns, yeah. Oh, then maybe I didn't do that one because the one, like, 14, 15, 14, was it there? 
I know we did it at like 17-ish Roadhouse. It was like Belmont. It was like the on a hill, right turn, right turn, and went down, and there was like a chicane in the middle of the descent, and then down again, and they made like a tight right-hander, and there was railroad tracks. Mm. And then That's right a different the course oh. from what I'm remembering. Sounds this is similar, though. <laughs> it's a similar... My point for that is that in these courses where there's severe uphill, then severe downhill, I just found them very challenging to find a place where I could like take a breath where yeah take a breath yeah i think that's um, going to be my oh a battle like i'm going to have to learn how to face that i didn't face when i raced is <laughs> like i'm just yeah. going to be a, like anonymous guy in a black kit you know so for majority of the peloton it's going to be a dude in a black kit leaving like three bike links and they're not right. going to be like oh my god he's getting dropped and like fill it and i'm just like please don't whereas before like you know whatever it was at the team or maybe I had like stars and stripes that year I could open that gap and nobody was gonna panic you know right and fill that hole they'd be like oh no he's not gonna get dropped it'd be like who's this goober talking to himself with a camera strapped to his head <laughs> Becca was talking about I was like oh next year we're gonna see 10 you know there's gonna be 10 guys in Peloton just all talking way too loud about air quote race tactics and everything else and it's gonna be like Total IRL bike race, <laughs> like done poorly. Uh, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how this shakes out. I think the attrition component in both the men's and women's fields is going to be very crucial for this. What's our temps looking like? What's weather going to be? Have we checked that yet? Um, yeah, it's nice today, and then a couple degrees warmer tomorrow, and then. Like ninety three ish, which I'm like not happy about. I thought it was gonna be like Holy in the eighties. This unit gets a little warm. So Yeah. Because you got that insulation warmth, layer. <laughs> extra weight, <laughs> extra heat. It's just on a hill. Things are Bro, um You got um, somebody giving you ice socks? What's going on out here? Holy uh, smokes. Yeah. So if pilot. this <laughs> yeah, if the, if the if the camera shorts out, it's just because all the ice socks coming down into the battery pack have shorted <laughs> it out. Also, Daniel will be electrocuted to death. So sorry. <laughs> worth it. Worth it though. Oh my God, I did not look at this before this very moment, and I. Wow. I think you're in for a good one here. All right. Um, all right. Well, let's get into it. Let's look at our start list here for our women. Uh, wow, quite the field as far as numbers for this field. I have 64 women coming to the start line here. That's a good Giro field. Yeah. Definitely, I would say, you know, Legion doesn't have a full squad, but I will say everybody else has, you know, four, five, four, five, six. You know, it's a pretty, uh, pretty good field. And I like yeah, the makeup I mean, of it. It's not top-heavy. Uh, by any means. Uh, I agree. I love seeing current world champion Jennifer Valente on the start line, by the way. I mean, she's world champ for, uh, you know, the Omnium and the points. Scratch Did race. she get scratch race? Yeah. So two d double world champion this year and Olympic gold medalist Jennifer Valente in here. Uh, she took a little time off after Worlds, but she'll be racing for the Virginia Blue Ridge 2024 program, which has both Danny Morris head, but also Marleas Mejias Garcias, who has 
been quite good this season. How do you think this team in particular is going to handle this race on Sunday? That's just the Sunday race, not the whole weekend. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Um, I think it's a course it suits. I mean, 2024 20, is, you know, pretty, you know, well-rounded. They don't need a, like a special course for them to excel. We've seen them you know, kind of do it on all sorts of stuff. So, um, lean squad with four riders, but we know Morris has riding well. Uh, Marleas is riding well. She won last weekend. Um, Jennifer's uh, coming off Worlds and, you know, had gotten sick and, you know, wasn't doing a ton of training because that was like her big peak. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll just kind of see how she rides into the weekend. Um, and Sophia's like ever stable. I mean, she's always just so good and just can make, yeah, it, I make d- it happen and just put the team on her back and get it in the direction the team needs it to go to be successful. So um, I think if Jennifer's riding well, then I think we're going to see them be, you know, aggressive in the sense of just making the race difficult, not necessarily like trying to force a breakaway, but just, you know, making the race fast and, and difficult. Is this an opportunity for a squad with only four to take the first third of the race and try to just cleave people off the back of it initially? Or do you just sort of let that happen naturally and not take on that, that onus as a team? Yeah, I think, you know, on this course, you know, this field, if you're good, if all four of your riders are good, just be present in the top 20-ish, and the back and the attrition rate will handle itself. You don't have to, um, uh, you don't have to be the driving force of that. Okay. Um, Paula Munoz is on our start list here as somebody, she did not come to Indy. She's scheduled to be here. We think she will be here, but she's a quick rider. Do you think she has what it takes to handle the course dynamic on Sunday to be effective in the finish can kick? Yeah, I mean, as long as Praderis is riding like Praderis is riding, she's got like a a perfect wing woman to take care of her and get in, into position. Um, you know, Boutine's going to be just ever-present the rest of the race. <laughs> yeah, uh, Covering stuff and being, and being present. Uh, not sure how uh, Sierra is doing with her injuries from, you know, the Miami race. Um, yeah. And Taylor, Taylor's been riding well, too. She snuck into the top 10 in Indy. Yeah. Um, I think as a whole, Miami Knights, for me, has a lot of potential. I agree that Heidi and Brittany are just lethal weapons in a, in a course like this where – if they ride like they, we've seen them capable of riding at some of these season long races. Um, they could very much protect Paula and and just sort of keep everything in control. But I think Andrea Butine has the potential of she's dangerous enough, in my opinion, that she could be go off the front and and just hold it, and it forces the other teams to chase which I think is a good strategy for them, potentially sort of an inverse lead out, right? Where you let the other teams burn themselves up by just chasing your rabbit. Yeah. But I don't yeah. know. I guess I haven't seen that next chapter unlocked for Boutine that she can ride a course like this efficiently enough to okay. stay off the front long enough to like have that massive impact, like um, a flat course, like little 10 or something, mm. you know, it's not the same 
it's not the same to do this, like have the same impact by like going off solo and riding, riding the course, you know, off the front for a long period of time. It's a different technique, right? It's, it's, and I don't know if I've seen that from her that she's able to do it on this, this type of course. Okay. I want to jump up to DNA pro cycling. I was kind of hoping to see Daphne Caraganis on the start list. Um, she raced, she, I thought she had a really good season overall and I was kind of hoping to see her sort of hit out for these four days. And namely, I thought that she would have the ability to be off the front and be that carrot in this race, but she's not here. DNA coming with three, Harriet Owen, Gabriella Leinart, and Kim Lucci. What do you think about this squad for this field with just three of them? I think for the most part, like Harriet's going to be mostly taking care of herself the last few laps. Um, you know, Kim's going to do her best, but I don't think this is her favorite course to be, okay. you know, the most, uh, you know, successful, successful on. So, so, so from a team standpoint, they may just be freelancing a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Butcher boxes here. Caitlin Agnew had a good ride, relatively speaking in Indy. Uh, but Jillian Bennett is here. Plessing is here. Kalsanecki are here for them. Again, do you think they're going to be implementing any team tactics or just sort of letting the race handle itself and tr nevertheless trying to get Agnew or Bennett into the finish? Although Plessing did quite well in the sprints for ACG overall. So what's happening with this squad? Yeah, I think, I don't think, I haven't seen Kalsanecki come into form that we saw her last year. So her playing a massive role, um, I, I don't see you know, that happening. I think Plessing's going to have to take on a lot of the early race workload to keep their, mm -hmm. their team into it. And then Caitlin and Jillian are just going to have to find, you know, whatever their rhythm is to, to do something in the finish. Um, okay. Again, like we've talked about before, is like one of them has to do three to go to one to go. If the other one's going to be like truly successful in the finish. All right. Uh, we're going to jump down to L.A. Sweat with, real quick with uh, Mariana Valadez finishing in fifth in Indy, showing that she's got some speed, but Canadian national champion Holly Simonson also coming to here. It looks like they're bringing a full squad. Emily Flynn is always sort of this outlier for them who is aggressive and potentially can make use of a course that's of this nature. Yeah, I think you she's going to do, yeah, like a little more difficult course definitely kind of like helps Emily get to the front and stay at the front. Mm -hmm. um, so that's her. And then I don't know if it's the the greatest course for Holly. Um, so definitely kind of looking at Mariana Valdez to be their, their rider for the finish. And I've got, uh, before we jump to the lionesses that are with us, Lizzie Harden and Olivia Reeve, two outliers on my list. Uh, they're actually right next to each other on the start sheet. Uh, Lizzie Harden, is an interesting outlier from the velodrome uh, from what I remember. And then Olivia Reeve actually snuck into the top 10 in Indy. I don't know very much about them otherwise, but I wonder if because of the chaos of this and the just pure attrition of this field, do you think outlier riders have an opportunity on mm, Sunday? I give them top tens, but I don't think they're going to factor in the top five. Fair. Cool. Well, then let's talk about our lionesses, the Schneider sisters found somebody to watch the bakery this weekend 
And so the bread peddlers will be here with Samantha and Skylar. Skylar, man, she looked really, really good in Indy off the front, field chasing her down. But on a course like this, to me, uh, Skylar has quite an opportunity for this one. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, like just we were just mentioning a minute ago about Boutine not necessarily being there technique wise to ride off the front of said race course. Skylar's on the other end of that spectrum where she has all the tools in the toolbox to know how to ride a course like this by herself off the front the whole time and be successful. Um, so that's that's in the cards, but I don't I don't think that she's gonna like do that and just leave Sam by herself. Not that Sam can't take care of herself. Um, I just don't see that in my head like taking place. Imagine them trying to stay stay together. Um, right. And that puts me having Skylar getting second on the day. Oh, all right. Well, let's jump to that. My picks are for here. I found this to be quite difficult uh, for the picks for this week. My top five. You ready to jot this down so we can keep score? I'm here for on? it. All right. I have Skylar Schneider taking the win. Marleas in second. Harriet Owen in third, actually. Paolo Munoz in fourth, and Kaylin Agnew in fifth. My outliers are Valente and Sam Schneider. When did we start doing seven? Well, I got five. I think I don't think Valente <laughs> and Sh- and Schneider Schneider have any opp- are going to end up there. So the hard thing for me on this one, my five or my five. It's it's Skyler, Malayas, Harriet, Paula, and Caitlin. Um, where, what jams me up on these picks sometimes is that when races get super hard, uh, you end up with what we saw in Indy where, you know, you stack up the same team and the results just by way of the lead out or just sort of power overcomes it. But I, I hesitate to just stack my results because I learned in the past from this year of doing this podcast with you that when I stack my results in preview, it, it doesn't really work out. So. I don't know, man. This is really hard for me. What's your picks? Let's hear your knowledge. <laughs> so I have Marleus, Skyler, okay. Paula, Agnew, Sam. Ah, no Harriet. No, she's just not featured consistently enough for me this okay. year. Um, to to give that nod, and I'm giving Agnew that nod based on. I would hope that they have. And she has some confidence coming off of last week and saying, you know, maybe if I do have a little more help, I can, you know, go a little further, you know. Uh, yeah. And they keep that momentum rolling for themselves. I like that you have Sam in fifth. I think that's an accurate quote because or pick because of what I was just trying to describe in that I feel like in the final lap, Sam is your lead, lead out. She takes it to try to basically to the base of the climb. No, and then she's she got to go to four. Yeah. Okay. And but then so that's if a, she gets to four. Even if she goes between three and four, there's only so many people that can kind of get around her in that moment because again, it's short. That she can kind of have a breather and just like kind of stay on the pedals down, and get and kind of end up fifth, or she does get it all the way 
around the corner. And then, yeah, she's tired, but she just, like, you know, kind of, again, stays into the pedals downhill and is far enough ahead that, you know, she's only going to get passed by four. Gotcha. I also think it's interesting our people are very similar. It's just the order of slightly differently. And remember, we do these picks completely independently of each other. So <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens this season for that one. Um, cool. I'm looking forward to the women's race. I think it's going to be really cool. And I'm glad you're going to be there so you can actually yeah. watch it, get a proper debrief. Are you going to be working? You're not going to be working the stage at that point in time, right? Um, I'm st- Yeah, well, I'll be starting the women's race, uh, helping Frankie kind of set it, set the women up, and then um, go get ready. Whew. Yeah. It's a quick turnaround. Cool, man. So my excuse well, list is, you know, it's not excuses. It's reality. I I have all these things on my plate, and why I didn't win. <laughs> well, then let's get into the race that you're <laughs> not going to win. Apparently, um, for our men, we have oof, what do we got? Ninety nine entries, including twenty one time national champion Daniel Holloway, down at the bottom. A lot of place to hide. Lots of place to hide. Yeah, when I sort this by by uh, team on Bike Reg, you're next. They're lining up next to Felix Felix. <laughs> I should have somebody fun. else's team name in here. They're like, "What? He's not on our team." <laughs> <laughs> like you have like, to work for me now. Butcher Box. I should have like put my team as Butcher Box. <laughs> they would have had an aneurysm. I bet. Oh my god. Uh, looking at our team makeup for the day here. Uh, I mean. Texas Roadhouse Cycling presented by VQ Labs. They got so much talent, man. I'd love to see them pop one off here, but haven't proven that yet this season. All right. Yep. Um, but it's a good course Ash- for Fergus. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's, you know, all engine and his skill set's growing um, kind of by race by race. So he could be potentially dangerous if it is like just annoyingly hard from the get-go and -hmm. finds a moment to get some separation. He could be a hard guy to, to bring back. Project Echelon here with a good squad. We saw them stack the results in Indy. Just thought it was an interesting approach. Yeah. (laughs) So I think Sam Morris has an opportunity here today. He's just strong. He's been fast. I don't know. I mean, what do we think about this lineup for these guys? Yeah, I mean, they're one of the, I think it's only them and ACG that are full, and ButcherBox um, are full six guys. And we know that they do have it in them to do a lead out, get all six, and they have the depths to get all six at the front. So that's my <laughs> anticipation. They actually have Empire Cycling with six here as well. Jack Chakra making an appearance again. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's always your pick. What about Jack? He's a top 10 guy. Top five? He's a top, top 10, 10 still. Just, maybe. This is one that he could he could surprise me, but I still think he's he's a top 10 guy. Okay. Butcher Box coming to us with both Eddie Cruz and Dushan Kalaba and Ryan Jastrob and Evan McCork. So many guys that we've talked about throughout the season. What do we think Butcher Box is going to do? They can keep it upright and get themselves a win, or where are they going to be, man? 
Like, who are they riding for? I think that's been our age-old question throughout this entire season. When they come to these races with these strong, quote-unquote, strong lineups, we still can't figure out what their lineup is and how they're going to run their lead out. You think they're going to show us? Um, No, but they're going to be riding for Tucson <laughs> because of the ACC points. Fair. All right. Blazers, yeah, Fury, Estevez, Campione. Johnny Brown and the age old Dennis Ramirez putting on the old kit. My goodness. Um, Campione potentially or Fury on that side uh, of this squad. Fury, uh, Campione's not of his old uh, abilities. So it's going to be Fury, but I don't have him in my top five. Ooh. Uh, ACG coming to us with Danny and then. Uh, very strong team. They, these guys have just proven themselves throughout the year. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing them race here. But with six guys, are they ruining what they built? Is it too yeah. many cooks in the kitchen? I feel like there's still a ride for Danny, in my opinion. Yep. I don't disagree. So, okay. Uh, Denver Disruptors are here with both Noah Granigan and Juan Arango, Olympian. Uh, two outliers. I feel like outliers. They're outliers because they don't have a full team. They don't have a Riley. They don't have another. A lot of guys to cover things. But does that matter? That's my question, really. Like without a team, are they are they able to just sort of freelance at all? Yeah, I think there's less pressure to be present everywhere because you have like the backup for it. Uh, so they could be mm -hmm. like a little more selective, a little more thoughtful. Uh, you know, they're not trying to explode the race or make it make it hard. They're kind of you know just riding the race and trying to be, you know, selective. Uh, I also think this course profile suits both of these guys very well. Yep, personally. Yep. All right. Well, then, that's sort of a brief overview. Yeah of what we see here uh, for the squads that have come here with a lot of riders. Anybody else on this list that maybe deserves a little bit of a notation that may not make it into the top five? I guess the outliers. Is the, we'll do outliers now. Any outliers here? Uh, let me just go through this one last time briefly. No, I don't see anybody else that's like could could be okay we've yeah narrow window in this one which made it difficult for my picks yeah i'll start off with my picks here i got danny summerhill with the win juan arango in second dushan calaba in third sam morris in fourth and uh jaime casaneda in fifth wow we're not too far off. That's funny. <laughs> I've been got, learning. Yeah. So All I've right, got buddy. Summy, but I've got Noah in second from Denver. Dushan, <laughs> Morris, and then Para in fifth. Ah. That's crazy. We have the exact teams, but then just different riders from those teams. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we do these picks completely independently, so... Wow. Um, 
Well, I'll go through. I think Danny's on a tear. I think that he's going to want to close out the ACC with a win. And I think the team will work for him to get him there. I think Orongo, without the full squad, is going to end up doing a bunch of work throughout the race that'll take a little bit of the pop out of the legs, but I think he's going to be good enough. And same kind of goes for Noah. Dushan, we'll see. For me, that's actually the wildest card on this pick. Um, Sam Morris has proven himself if he's in good position and the squad actually works for him. He'll be fine there. And for me, Castaneda as sort of the final lead out for Summy. That's my rationale. Yeah. Yeah, ACG, I mean, like, could throw it for the loop, right? Share the wealth. Danny's got the jersey locked up, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, which of those guys maybe hasn't won? Mm-hmm. They try to try to do that for them. They have the ability to do it. Are they going to do it? We're going to we're gonna find out. I'm going to be a victim okay. of it. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> All right, man. Cool. Well, uh, I think we've – I'm very excited for this whole weekend. Uh, you're going to be on stage. I'm going to be listening t- for, or stay tuning in to your live feed again. That'll be at gatewaycup.com slash races slash live stream. And if you've listened this far, like subscribe, share and tell all your friends. With that, we bid you adieu. Bid you adieu. See you next time. <laughs>